Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuckaricans? What the fucking Canadians? What the fucking knots? I can't go on forever. This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. Welcome aboard. I, you know, I've been really thinking about it a lot in terms of how great this this format is and how much of a, a great time I'm having doing this show. I'm so glad you guys dig it. I just got back from Atlanta. I know I talked to you from there after the Coca-Cola Museum. I made it out. I don't have diabetes. Uh, I don't think that all my heart uh, valves are clogged with gravy. But man, I got to stop. Every time I come home, it's the same thing. I go out. I go to Whole Foods. I buy maybe six things of kale, two things of cabbage, brown rice, quinoa. I get some quinoa that I'm going to cook up, some fat-free yogurt, and I swear to fucking God that this is it. This is I'm going to cleanse my entire system by eating only organic things and not eat any sugar at all. And then I say, Where, how, what's this fucking cookie doing here? Who's, who bought this chocolate? How did this chocolate? All right, you know what? Tomorrow. But that's not going to be the case. I did it. I went to the gym yesterday, and I think I was on a slightly retarded treadmill. I, you know, I, I was in denial about it, kinda. I said this seems easy. It can't be this easy. I haven't done this in weeks. And then you realize, hey, every treadmill's got its own personality. This one's doing the best it can. I don't believe that uh, I was doing 6.5 mile or whatever that is, like an eight and a half, nine minute mile. But it said it was. So I was willing to be codependent with that machine and enable it to think that because it was helping me. It made me feel strong. It made me feel like I was winning. I'm not going to use that meme. I'm not going to do it. I will tell you this, though. Great shows in Atlanta. Thank you for the... There there was only a few baked goods. Very nice people. A lot of what-the-fuckers from the South came out. Some people drove hundreds and hundreds of miles to see the show. I really appreciate that. I love you guys coming out. Now, I'm trying to figure something out about myself. I don't know if I'm becoming a nicer guy or what. All of a sudden, I've got a little more empathy than I used to. Uh, I'm not as hard on people as I used to be. I like listening a lot more. I, I hope this isn't a liability. But I'll tell you one thing I'm starting to appreciate is my fellow performers. There was something that happened in Brooklyn, and I can't really explain it because I never really quite noticed it before. You know, being that I am an entertainer, being that I am a stand-up comedian, I've been in show business a while, you sort of take it for granted that, you know, most of your friends are comics. You find yourself in kitchens a lot. You find yourself standing backstage in dressing rooms with bad cantaloupe on a tray. You know, you find yourself saying, what, there's no, no fucking Diet Cokes? I mean, I don't even have a writer. You can't put a Diet Coke in the goddamn thing. You find yourself doing that. But a lot of times you're just standing there along the side of the stage, looking out on the stage from backstage, watching one of your peers make a room full of people laugh. You just take it for granted. And I started to realize in Brooklyn when I had Otto and George on, for whatever you think about Otto and George, they're, they're professionals. They've been around a long time. They have a sort of infamy, a mythic status. And I was literally had this moment where I was on stage sitting next to Otto and George and I realized, holy shit, I've got the best fucking seats in the house. And then the next show, Bill Hader, Fred Armisen, there was all of a sudden this weird moment where I knew I was talking to these guys and they were my peers to some degree. I mean, obviously on a, they're on a higher level than I am in show business, but there was that moment again where I'm watching Bill Hader talk to a room full of people. I'm literally a foot and a half away from him and I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, this is the best seat in the house for this guy. 
And I don't know what the magic is, but I can definitely sense the magic. When you see a guy so focused and so in their game, just you know, make a room full of people laugh effortlessly, it's a beautiful thing. And the guy I'm talking to today, Bobby Slayton. Look, th- this is another cat. You know, I've known about him for 20 years. The pit bull of comedy was one of the biggest club acts back in the day. I don't want to date him because he's a pretty vital motherfucker. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. And I've run into him a couple times. We never really talked that much until we were in Montreal. And we talked a little bit, but he's just one of those guys always going at this pace. Everything's a mile a minute. And I realized, that, you know, that's the pace that got me into comedy. And also I'm wired to you know, emotionally connect to mania of any kind. If, if, if someone is full of manic charm, there's part of me that's thinking, hey, you're kind of like my dad. Can I just hang out with you? And then I don't say anything. And now I realize, you know, I haven't had Bobby Slayton on. And uh, I, I talked to him. I ran into him. He sent me an email. Hey, why am I, you know, and, and his email, you know, talks in that same tone of voice. Hey, Marin, how come I'm not on the show? When am I going to have on? When are you going to have me on this, uh, this show, this pod thing? When is that going to happen? When am I going to do this show? You want me to come on the show? And I realized, hell yeah, I want you to come on the show. I want to sit there for an hour with the best seat in the house to watch you and all your manic insanity, you know, come flying at me two feet away so I can be entertained on a cellular level. Some things just resonate on a cellular level. And, you know, Bobby's got a reputation for being uh, uh, inappropriate, being a little in the wrong. But isn't that relative? I mean, this guy's had his struggles. He does his own thing. He's always done his own thing. He's committed to what he has. And I don't know. I'm on this. I'm in this weird place where where, you you know, what what determines wrong? You know, if somebody's got a good heart and you still think it's wrong, what is your place in that situation? Do you say, hey, buddy, you're wrong? And they go, whatever, you know, whatever you think. You know, that's not where I'm coming from. Do you believe them? Do you believe the heart? Do you feel the heart? How much of your own baggage are you bringing to any situation projecting onto somebody else? God damn it, I do that all the time. I do it all the time. I assume people that are fucking crazy aren't crazy. I don't know what the hell that comes from. I guess it's from being brought up with the parents I was brought up with, but... I really want people to be what I think they are. And then I'll make that assumption. And sure enough, I'm proven wrong every time. And then I'm all of a sudden stuck with this, this illusion, this manufacture of, of what I think this person is. And then I try to, to make them be that person. Am I being vague? Let me try to be more specific. All of my relationships. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you people? But I, I don't know. You know, I, I guess I'm getting to this point where I don't know if I'm not taking things as seriously or or literally I'm very I've become very moved by by people and what's going on with them. I've got some sort of sensitivity. I don't know what the fuck is happening. I used to only think about myself and now all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself caring a little more about other people. That's supposed to be a good thing, right? Why do I find that frightening? Why am I? How about I start doing a show where I don't talk about me at all? How would that be? How I just talk about the charitable things I did. I worked in a soup kitchen all weekend. I saved nine cats and now they're living in my bedroom. I'm working on a cure for cancer in my kitchen. Now that would be a good show. I think that would be a good show. The other two, they're all right. They're sweet. But I think if I could come up with a cure for cancer in my kitchen, that'd be awesome. I think I am coming up with a, with a cure for cancer in my kitchen. It's right. Right now it's in the crisper, my refrigerator, like six bunches of kale that have yet to be eaten i found a cure for cancer i'm just choosing to avoid it the thing is i don't think there's any good italian food in los angeles am i wrong 
Are you really wrong? First of all, at my house, which you come over any time, oh, I make uh, really. I'm, well, you know, don't even get me started on the food because how long do we have? Half hour, hour? How long do we talk? But uh, how do you fucking stay in good shape? I'm sitting here hating my fucking self because I, I can't stop eating. Okay, I want to show you something. And of course, this doesn't. You can show me your abs. No, this doesn't work on the internet. No, no, or on of course on. You're gonna lift you. No, no, my stomach. My yeah. wife teased. My wife and daughter teased me about this. What? This. This. Nothing there. There's nothing there. No. There's nothing there. Okay. I'm now 56 years old, so I, I have the metabolism of a hummingbird, so I don't yeah. stop moving. I mean, I pop out of bed like a piece of toast. Right. I get up at 6, 7 o'clock. I run around all day, and if I have nothing to do, and which is, by the way, I would quit doing stand-up comedy in a second and just stay home and cook and work out, but I wind up doing nothing all day, and yeah. I don't stop moving. I mean, I cook, then I walk my dog, then I go for a swim, then so I just... Even when I'm sleeping, I'm moving. Yeah. Um, the bed on my side, I, I should talk to a doctor about this because I always get checkups. I'm in yeah. great shape. But the yeah. bed on my side, my wife, I when I sweat at night, if yeah. I have like a nightmare or something, my sweat will take the color. If you have I, like a nightmare or something. Wait, wait, You're I, talking about like the regular thing. When you sweat at night? Well, you, why don't you usually sweat at night? I mean, maybe sometimes I do. If I drink a lot of something, uh, if, uh, if I put too many blankets, whatever. But my <laughs> wife, we have to get rid of sheets because my sweat, it's like something from an alien world. It <laughs> takes, this, takes the color out of... I don't know what it is. Well, you can see an outline like when a body, which, yeah. you know, like the cop outline, yeah. it takes it right out of the sheet. So there's something in my body that just keeps me thin. I don't know what it is. Because well, yeah, it's a gift. It's, I it, guess it's, if you're sitting down in the morning and you think, what are my gifts? You know, it's what, that you'll never get fat. You know, the old Jews you're always You're going to be a lanky little Jew. You know, the old Jews always go, hey, at least you have your health. Yeah. And you don't have cancer. Cancer is everybody's big fear. Yeah. But you know what? Besides that big fear of getting yeah. hit by a car or my yeah. dog getting run over, yeah. my big fear is getting fat. And <laughs> and I was in Vegas for a couple of years. By the way, you never told anybody who I am. Don't you do an introduction for I'm the sorry, show? I'm sorry. I figured you it out. Yeah. This is what the fuck. I'm Mark Marin and I'm one of my. Yeah, well, guys, guy. Don't you do a whole big thing? Right now, like in my garage, Bobby Slayton. Uh, one of uh, one of the greats, the Pitbull of comedy. You probably said that about everybody, though. No, I don't. Have for, you listened to the fucking show? No, first you, of you all, went to you listened to one show. What you read an article at the end? You, I get an I email from you. I'm not. <laughs> you're not going to no, make no. me cry like Louie? No, no. Okay. Well, the thing of Rolling Stone. No, no. Let me. I've known about your show for a long time. Let me tell you something. Is what? That, oh, I, I never listen to internet uh, radio. Sure. But, but, I don't listen um, to anything. I'm barely listening to you. In my car, I got my XM series. I got my Blue Station. Yeah. A little Stevens Underground Garage. Yeah. And when I'm home, I put on the blues. Yeah. So nothing. Me too. I don't listen did to how Did you get the new uh, Greg Allman record? I heard it's great. No, I didn't get it yet. No, no. I'm gonna. That's on my list of things to. Oh way. shit! I just bought it. He, he like he really I, sings. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I love all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's stuff that you know that I love that was before my time that I love. And my daughter, who's twenty two, I've tried to turn her on to all that stuff. Yeah. And you Does throw against the wall. You know what? A lot of it did. I mean, I took her to see the Stones when she was little, but you know she was eleven and into Britney Spears. Yeah. I took her to see Social Distortion when she was eighteen, but she's into Christina Aguilera. She appreciates the stuff and she gets it. Yeah. But you know, kids today just aren't as smart as we are. I, well, I think that uh, nothing has. It doesn't have the same integrity. That we had when we were younger. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, let's get back to the other thing. This is more important. The food so and first the of skinny. all, I'm, I'm a little upset that you've never asked me to do the show. What are you talking about? Never. I ask you now. What no, are you? No, I, you're I, here. I, I had to call. To, I called to ask you. No, I, you didn't. I talked to your publicist. I had him call you. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm here. But the last time I saw you was in Montreal. Right. I don't even think I was doing the show. You I don't. Doing it. Huh? No, you weren't doing it. And and you know, that was the first time that I uh, you you let me listen to you. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> no, no. Let me tell you. We, we, we've you, never talked before, and then all of a sudden we were talking a lot for a couple of days. Well, it's it not like, good. We, it's I, not like uh, we had pizza together. We had great pizza. I, I've all, you're you're a guy that I know that you're going to come on. I like I was looking forward to it because I figured you're, it was going to be funny, and uh, you know I wouldn't get a word in edgewise. But you don't need to. And by the what? way, let me tell you something else. In the over 30 years I've been doing stand up, oh. um, there's not been a morning radio show, podcast, TV show where I've not come prepared. And I just said today, I have so many things to talk to you about. Yeah. And I know that you and I could just talk for an hour. I mean, usually I have a list of stuff, either it's jokes or topical what, stuff. What do you want to do that for? 
because you know it's always nice to be prepared because a lot of times and you know this when you do shows and these guys have you know oh you got to do the job you got to you got to show up you got to have your jokes yeah I mean a lot of guys can't do that you know a lot of guys you know I mean you've done all that morning radio and a lot of times the jocks the oh they want to fight with you they want to they either want to fight and be funnier or they want a list of things to ask you sure and I'm the kind of guy and you know that how are you and I can just go for hours and hours yeah 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 you know but I've but no, but Can you I smoke this horrible cigar? That doesn't bother me. Okay. So uh, it's your house. Um, uh, studio, whatever you want to call it. No, but anyway, you know what? I knew once I asked you to do the show, you'd have me on. The thing is, in this business, you have to ask people stuff, and I've never wanted to ask people for favors. You know, the George Lopez show, I said to my publicist, well, you know what? They're not using a lot of comics. I call up George. Of course, we'll have you on. Jimmy Fallon, when I use a lot of comics, I call up Jimmy. Of course, we'll have you on. So it's it's the same thing with you. You, gotta... you did Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, it was great. And How, you... What'd you do? Sit down? No, you know, that's the thing, too. It's, I love sitting down instead of doing stand up on the shows. I, I do, too. I love it. I did that on Conan two weeks ago. It's just like this. It's funny. I, I don't know. Bad experience with Conan, I got to tell you. What are you talking uh, about? It was kind of my fault, but it was. When was this? Oh, it was a long time ago. But he was on the other uh, on NBC. Yeah, but it, it was when I did the movie The Rat Pack with Ray yeah. Liotta, the HBO movie. Mm-hmm. You know the Joey Bishop thing. So that I was, I think, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. So it's only 12, 13 years right. ago. Right. Here's what I did. Okay. And, and you know yeah. this as well as I do that when you do stand up on television, yeah. you need to prepare the four or five minutes. So of course. You know, you need to really, and you know, you'll, you'll see comics coming at the clubs all the time when you're working. Hey, can I run my my Tonight Show four? Can yeah, I do yeah. my Letterman six? And you know, you really got to work it out. Yeah, you yeah. Work at the time. Yeah, because like people like you, it's a one joke is ten minutes. Well, I, that's why I've never worked good in that kind of format. Yeah, you're not. People watch you do a five minute set, and they're like, "Yeah, well, until you see him live." Yeah, but I've never been a five minute guy. You no, know? I know, me neither. I, and I don't like it's it. It's a trick. It's well, you know what? I did it on even at the Improv a bunch of times. I did it on the Joan Rivers show. Even Pat Sajak had a show. I did it on Arsenio Hall, and it it sucks because first of all, I don't have a lot of, and I don't consider it dirty material. Yeah, but I don't have a lot of clean TV material. When all these shows have rules, where you can't do the drug jokes and. And you, a lot of times you can't do topical stuff because yeah. Letterman just did it before you. Yeah. Uh, you and you know, can't, can't be dirty and they don't want you to talk about people's uh, races or right. ethnicities. You're like, and what am I going to do? Right. And, I, and, I, you know, I saw, and you see comics go on hey, you know, and they talk about, well, yeah, I'm from Detroit. You're Detroit. Outside of people in Detroit, nobody gives a rat's ass about Detroit. People yeah. who live in Detroit. So, so you can't do local stuff. And, you know, and it's anyway, so you know the situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had done a bunch of those five-minute sets and I... <laughs> Did enough of those stupid comic live and comics through live and yeah, comedy yeah. today and evening at the Empire. You've done everything. Okay. So the Conan show, the, this this is going to be one, this was going to be one of my big breaks in show business. One of the many that never happened. And I'm I'm angry but not bitter. And I'll tell you the difference in a few minutes. I want to if know. I if I can get a word in. You <laughs> never. I knew you wouldn't let me talk. I knew, Marion, you wouldn't let me say a goddamn word. I'm just waiting for you to cry, Slayton. Uh, okay, well, uh, Louis C.K. warned me about oh, that. Yeah. Well, Louis said there's certain things don't have them bring up, and I'm just going to try to stay away from those. Come subjects. on, tell me about your mommy, uh, Bobby. Yeah, okay, well we'll get to that too. All right, but anyway, so Conan here. Here's where I really yeah. screwed up, and this was totally my fault. So I, I'm going to New York to do the Howard Stern show. The Rat Pack comes out. You know, I'm feeling okay. This is going to be great. You're playing Joey Bishop, which is weird to me because you couldn't be less like Joey Bishop. Well, you're so, but see, that's what's funny. Have you ever watched Joey Bishop? Yeah, I have. Okay, if I slow down and talk like Jackie Mason, and they give me a no, crew I'm not cut, saying you can't act, but right. I mean, no, yeah. no, but but you know, it's I, if what I do is basically what he did. I mean, it might be. Uh, you're funnier uh, than Joey Bishop. Well, maybe it's funnier. Maybe I mean, it's hipper. Like maybe the... it's more modern. But but if you put me, you know, let me back up. I guess somebody, I should do a whole week of shows. When I, before the Conan story, <laughs> when I got the part of Joey Bishop, okay. The Slayton okay. episodes. Yeah, right. The Slayton well, tapes. The, the lost, the lost, and we'll call them lost so people <laughs> think like they rediscovered us. It'll be, it's a good selling point. They are rediscovering yeah. you, believe me, right um, now. Uh, great. Well, we'll get to my plugs in a second. But here, so this is really funny. When I play Joey Bishop, and your yeah. audience is hip enough where they know who he is, okay? I had done, I, uh, maybe. I had done a, a shitload of little movies and little TV parts and 
but I never played a real person. And they looked at everybody in Hollywood before they came to me. First, they said I was too old. And by the way, I was exactly Joey Bishop's age at the time. He was old when he started, well, I think, wasn't I, he? I think I was 43 when I got it. And yeah. the Rat Pack days, they were about that age. Yeah. Joe Montaigne was Dean Martin. He was older than me. Ray Liotta was my age. I mean, everybody, there was something. So I dye my hair. I audition. Yeah. I, I really want this part. Yeah. So I get the part and I figure, I've never played a real life person before. Yeah, I've always yeah. played characters. Yeah. So I'm getting this Robert De Niro raging bull. Got to gain weight, learn how to box. I'm getting, you know, Meryl Streep. I got to learn German and play the cello. I'm, I'm going to play a real person. I got to do research. I yeah. want to become this person. I want yeah. to even happen. This acting bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I said to my wife, I said to my wife, I'm going to the Museum of Broadcasting in Beverly yeah. Hills for the day. I take a little lunch like it's my first day of school. I have an apple. I have a juice box. I said, honey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be there all day studying Jerry Bishop. I'm going to get this guy down. I'm thinking Emmys and Grammys and Tonys. Yeah. And things are going through my head. Sugar yeah. plum fairies. I, yeah. Okay. So I seriously, I get to the Museum of Broadcasting. Yeah. I turn to the Jerry Bishop show or a Rat Pack clip, yeah. and he's going, "Hey Frank, hey Dean, what do you mean? What am I, chopped liver?" And yeah. I go, and I'm sitting myself, hey, Dean, okay, I got it. And literally, 15 <laughs> minutes, I never even touched the sandwich. I never opened the juice box. And I go, I get this. Now, here's the funny thing when you say I'm nothing like Joey Bishop. Yeah. Joey Bishop was five foot nine, five foot ten, a comic from the Bronx, scrappy, you know, yeah. little kind of wiry guy. Right. So, in a way, I'm exactly like him, except for the fact that I talk different and yeah. I have better jokes. But that, so when I got that part, everybody goes, You were so great in that. And I'm thinking, yeah, what, I didn't do anything. I really did jack shit. I, I just know, slowed down. I slowed down. I slowed down. <laughs> All I did, I put on a shark skin suit from 1962 yeah, with yeah. a skinny tie. Right. Yeah, so, but so the Conan story, uh, when I make a hole for myself, I just keep digging and burying myself. And I'm sure you've done that too. Sure. I, I'm i in a hole now. You are? Sure. I'm in my garage and I'm talking to you. No. Okay. Maybe if you're worse. <laughs> it's like Wayne's World when they broadcast out of the basement. No, you know, you're just like, this is like Hogan's Heroes. When, yeah, when, sure. When King yeah. Slow had in the bunker, yeah, the tree yeah, stump, you went yeah, on the ground, you yeah. try to reach the free world. All we, all we have to do is be entertaining. No okay. one will kill us. All right. Right. So, so here's what I did with Conan. Mm. And I, I don't think I was out of line. I get Conan. Frank Smiley calls me up a couple hours before I get on the plane. Yeah. I wasn't going to do stand-up. I said, I don't want to do it. I'd rather sit and so, talk yeah, like yeah, I'm talking yeah. to you. Right. I get stories. I'll be right. funny on the couch. Smiley says, listen, Conan wants to know if you, we need a, like a five-minute segment. Do you mind doing stand-up tomorrow? Uh, like a cocky idiot that I was. Yeah. I've done stand-up so much and I've done so many shows. Yeah. And I, getting back to the original thing, well, you've right. got to plan out your four or five-minute yeah. set. I go, sure, I'll do it. I'll put together a set on the plane tonight. I'll have a glass of wine. Right. I'll put together my five right. minutes. Right. And again, if everybody out there that's not, that doesn't do comedy, you got to know you got to run your set. You just got to do it. Sure, because it's, you're taking yourself out of your regular rhythm to do a tight set with with punchlines right. that don't go where they right. where they usually go. Right. And you got to be done. And with you, you probably got out there and said, what kind of haircut is that? No, it, no. no I, 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 put the, I put together my set. Yeah. Okay. Here's what happened. <laughs> Frank Smiley says to me, you might not want to open with that joke. It's spring vacation. There's a lot of college kids yeah. here. So it's not going to be our usual audience. And I don't think they're going to get that joke. Now, I'll tell you the joke what in a minute. It? I'll tell you in a second. All right. So that joke has killed everyone. Yeah. So I do, you know, so I see Max Weinberg and he's a fan and the yeah. band is really cool. And Conan couldn't have been nice. He came yeah. up and talked to me. I'd never yeah. met the man. Yeah. A good 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Did he call you Mr. Swayton? I don't remember what he yeah, called yeah, me. Yeah. He's, but, a good, he's a good guy. Uh, yeah, he was so nice yeah. to me. So here's what I do. I go on the show, yeah. and my opening joke, and I look out there, and I swear to God, the audience was college kids, and they... It was too late to change anything. My opening <laughs> joke was this, and it was perfect for New York. It's too late to change anything. Well, yeah, I'm walking out there. The rocket had taken I, off. I should have known. Yeah. My opening you joke... You didn't listen to Frank. Uh, I should have listened to Frank. Yeah. But here was my opening... My point is that I shouldn't have done stand-up. I should have said, no, I have no time to plan this out. Right. I know it's being magnanimous enough where, okay, Conan wants me to do it, I'll do it. Yeah. It's being a cocky dickhead where right. I go, okay, I should have gone to a club and planned this out. So anyway, I go on, and my opening joke was, you know, you come to New York, there's a lot of Haitian cab drivers. This is before that thing in Haiti, yeah. so it's okay to make fun of them. Right. Okay. So I said, you know, there's somebody... and the 
cab drivers, I'm, I'm, I'm going to slow it up for you, but I don't remember exactly how I did it, but the point of the joke was that they had this, this attitude, the Haitian. None of them, wants, none of them want to drive cabs. Right. They never say thank you when you tip them. Uh, they don't, or the air conditioning never works. And, they, and I talked to this Haitian cab driver, and he says to me, you know, in Haiti, I was a doctor. Yeah. I said, in Haiti, I could be a doctor. <laughs> how hard is it to be a doctor in Haiti? We need a chicken foot and a Band-Aid. Ooga booga, ooga booga. Oh. You do some voodoo. Anyway, that joke kills. Yeah. It always kills. Yeah. Maybe not to open a show yeah. in front of college kids <laughs> that don't know what the hell Haiti is. Yeah. Or, you know. So that joke dies, the yeah. band's laughing. Yeah. And the old thing in showbiz, you know, when the band's laughing, you're, you know, you're, you're screwed. You really are. You really are fucked, aren't you? So the band, they're cracking up. My next joke, uh, and I don't remember what it was, mm. you know, didn't get a big laugh, and the band's cracking up. So meanwhile, it, it's, it, I must have had 10 jokes, but the third, fourth joke, I got them. It was fine. Yeah. It was fine. But that happens, man. Right. It happens all the time. Anyway, the set ended okay. I watched it that night. It made me cringe because I want perfection. But here's the thing. I talked to Conan. We sit in the panel. We talked about Joey Bishop and the Rat Pack. Right. Whatever stories I'm telling him. And we go to a commercial, and I stand up, and I'm kidding around. I give the audience a finger. I go, thanks for your help, people. And I hold both fingers sure. in the air. And Conan goes, hey, 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 man. Don't flip off my audience. Hey, hey. But it's kidding around. And I think they laughed. I know the band was laughing. Then, like an idiot, the next morning, I go on the Howard Stern show and I tell that story. And yeah. Howard goes, well, you know, you'll never be encoded again. But uh, when my agent or publicist or whatever tried to get me back on the show, Frank Smiley said, no, nah, you know, Bobby didn't do very well last time. Well, I didn't do very well because, and it was my fault. But I really think it's because I talked about it on Howard and I really think so I gave Conan's audience a finger to piss him off. But, Who the yeah. hell knows? I mean, you know, it, it probably wasn't the Howard thing and probably wasn't the finger thing. What are you, Jackie Mason? It, the cameras weren't even on. That's the Jew well, well, let me ask you something because yeah. I don't know, like the weird thing about you is that I known about you for so long and we talked a few times here and there about this and that but like every time i go to the fucking punchline in san francisco like i get hung up on pictures there's a picture of you you look like you're 12 you know in the back of the dressing room yeah yeah i mean what year was that when did you start and where the hell did you come from well you know it's really funny that because i don't know i know you're new york okay i'm 55 now 55. I started doing stand-up when I was in my early 20s. By the way, I know every comic's done that, and it's guys coming over to help me today. He's a very good friend of mine. I'm writing a book, and I know it's, I'm not trying to plug the book now, but it's going to be about stand-up comedy, what Anthony Bourdain did for the cooking industry. With the Are they paying you? Nobody's paying me anything yet. You're just doing a book on spec. I'm doing a book because... How long have you had this project going on? In my head? I have a lot of things going on in my head. There's so many different voices in my head talking to me. I, I can't listen to all of them. So, so, the, so yeah. the, this one voice I'm, is going to write a book I'm now? I'm so antisocial, I even hate the voices in my head. That would have been a great headburn joke. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I have so many stories. And you know, you talk about the beginning of the punchline. Um, and I, you know, you read so many comics books, and their autobiographies, and they're boring. And a lot of comics have their great rants and raves, like Dennis Miller, George Carlin, or Lewis Black. Brilliant guys, brilliant yeah. books. And I'm just going to do something that I'm writing for the people in this business. And again, as a template, I'm using Anthony Bourdain. I don't know if you know who he is. But of course I do. The great food writer. Yeah, he's and great. I, I love that man with a passion. It's, yeah. Um, but uh, um, if I was a chef, that probably would have been my life. Right. Um, you know, you, have, a, you have the temperament of a chef. Um Chefs are kind of nuts. When they come you out know, of the kitchen, like in the movies, get out of my kitchen! But I think there's something similar to, to being a chef, like the immediate gratification thing. It's like, I flipped the egg. Look, I made the omelet. I made the, the sandwich. That there's, a, there's the same sort of pace as comedy. You get into a kitchen that's busy, and you're getting that shit out, yeah. and every time you hit that fucking plate, yeah. I mean, it's the same kind of well, temperament. And you know what? It's also the same that people don't think is when you have, I think people know now because of all these cooking shows, but yeah. I think my father used to do this. Go into a restaurant, see it's packed. Yeah. Realize, but that lettuce costs nine cents. Yeah. How much money is this guy making? Yeah. He, say, he cooks, he's... <laughs> 
because I like to cook. And they think, well, <laughs> you realize, you know, with what, I, oh my God, with the insurance and the hassles mm-hmm. and the spoilage and the theft and the, whatever it takes to make it. Yeah, yeah. But stand up comedy really looks the same way. And, you know, there are guys like Seinfeld, for example, whatever you think of Jerry, you know, when he goes on Letterman or, you know, it's it's beautifully put together. You know, when he played in front of the president for the uh, Ken, uh, Mark Twain Awards. Or whatever. Could you have done that? I could have done it. I mean, when he performed in front of Paul McCartney, yeah. I, I don't know what I would have done, but I know, yeah, I, I would have done it with more than a day's notice. If they would have called me up the night before, hey, by the way, Obama, <laughs> watch, I mean, McCartney wants you to do a set tomorrow night. I've learned from Conan not to do stuff. But like- what do you think is the difference between, like, you know, because I know you've been doing it a long time. I, I know what, you know, your place in the world in terms of your, your respected comic, you're hilarious. I don't you're- make any money, though. I, 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 the one thing that I have going for me is I, I think that I'm, that comics, love me not all of them and i don't love all of them but, but you're like you're a fucking character and you're hilarious now but like when you look at that generation of guys that you came up with right what do you think the difference is between you and them the generation of guys like, like- you know, seinfeld and dudes that you know your contemporaries when they're playing for the president right and you're playing okay. uh, hooters in vegas right right, what, right. <laughs> okay no no you see that's the thing though but what, uh, what i okay first of all i'm not gonna let you know and by the way i'm not gonna start crying now like louis c <laughs> i know what you i know you're trying to make me cry i'm not i'm not falling for your crap oprah <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Phil Marin. Um, you know no, you know what it is? Is that I look at a lot of these guys, and I'm not going to mention names, and I might in the book, but most really successful comics I started out with seem to have a lot of mental problems. You know? I mean, I, not I, you, though. No, no, no. You see, I always seem like mm-hmm. I'm so neurotic. I seem like, look, everybody is a little off, whatever their little thing is. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I've been married for 23 years. I got a great house. My daughter is going to be a very successful singer. Is 22. Um, brilliant. Um, I, I have a perfect... A perfect God, problem. I hope she makes some money don't you oh, believe me if you, well, like, well, like the barrymores it, it, we just you know every generation makes more and more and more i hope so uh, um no but you know what it is is everything's fine because i look at the old punchline days when you mentioned those pictures at the yeah. punchline when i was 22 23 when i was starting out i was an mc yeah and people always ask me how do you get good as a comic and you know this as well as well, that makes sense you, you got to get yeah you got to get well I, that's one of the things i love to do and i love to do radio but that um, because of the crowd interaction that you know you you know you're fueled by a crowd well you know what's great about an mc is you go up there the, the band thing because you're the first guy on and it doesn't matter how much you kill people yeah. will say to you, you should be a comic right they, sometimes they look at you as an MC. Right. but what's great about being an MC, you go up there and the first one or two minutes is going to be very difficult because you got to get that crowd but you do a few minutes you get them laughing and you can always bail and bring on the next comic and then you bail and bring on the next comic all right so yeah. it was a great plus i got a lot of stage time and when people go how do you become a great comic i say the only way to become a good comic the only way and there's exceptions to everything right. is to get a lot of stage time and you know as well as i do now there's a million comics or want to be comics yeah and bullshit comics, right. fewer venues to do it, yep. you know? And so- you, Or you make your own venue They're now. not getting their time. So when I was a young comic, you asked me about these guys that I started out with. I was the MC and opened up for Elaine Boozler. I'm going to try to remember every one of these names. Jerry Seinfeld, Larry Miller. These guys were all headliners. Michael Keaton, Batman. But they weren't big stars yet. None of them. No, no I mean, this is 19, punchline. what? Uh, well, it says 55, 65, 75, late 70s. Late 70s. Really? Yeah. The punchline was around the late 70s. They opened up, I think, in about 79, 78, wow. 79. San Fr- Why'd you go from New York to San Francisco? I mean, New York was like comedy capital of the fucking world. Yeah, but more cock in San Francisco. Huh? <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> so I just see if you were listening. <laughs> so I got good. But you asked me about guys like Seinfeld, the guys they started. But start out with. But then there was Bruce Baum, Denny Johnston, Frank Lejai, um, I think Leno came in, George Wallace opened up for him. So what I got to do is watch a lot of professional comics working, and they got a lot of stage time. I've seen a lot of those guys go on to be big stars, and I've seen a lot of those guys fall to the wayside. Yeah. 
I've seen a lot of those guys. I mean, uh, Ray Romano, you hear him talking on TV. I love Ray. He's a dear yeah. friend. He's got OCD and nine kids. You know what? Yeah. I don't want that life. I don't want to have to drive around the block again and step on the crack that I missed and wave to the old lady. I don't want to be like that, you know. And I, I there's a lot of guys I could really sit in bed. OCD and nine kids. Well, he does. He talks about it on TV. It's about how he he said he drove around a block and he has to go back and do this. I don't want that kind of shit. I have a I cook. I'm healthy. I'm skinny, and yeah, I got a great yeah. wife who I get to make fun of, who's yeah. not here right now. Yeah. So I'm fine. Um, but anyway, so I went. The reason I went to San Francisco from New York, you talked to, and you've talked to a lot of comics. So many comics, maybe even you, always wanted to be a comic. Oh, I want yeah. to be a comic. Okay, never crossed my mind. Right. Was I the class clown? Yes. They're doing a documentary on me now, and I, I dug up footage of me. Um, I was like Jerry Lewis. I didn't realize until I looked at this stuff that pushing my brothers out of the way, pulling down my pants, doing the twist, it didn't yeah. stop. But when I moved to San Francisco, and the reason I moved there, yeah was because in 1968-69 when Easy Rider came out, I always wanted to drive cross country. And when I was growing up in those days, I loved the Jefferson Airplane, the Grateful Dead. I knew they lived there. I knew that everybody went through San Francisco. San Francisco seemed like to me, you know, I started smoking pot when I was 14 and 69. Everybody. So that was the culture. You the were Woodstock like that, generation, right, with, right. you know, the summer sure. of love. It all you know, happened Haight-Ashbury. Right. That's what my formative years, you start to So smoke. you were a hippie kid. Yeah, in a well, way. plastic. He grew up in Scarsdale. No, no, no. I had but, long but, hair. But the same thing, you know, but yeah. that was what the culture looked like then. Discovered Pot in 69 right. when I was 14, you know, LSD when I was 14. So I Hendrix and all that stuff, Janis Joplin, it all either started in San Francisco or they went to San Francisco. It was a focal point. For, so you're so, like a, a middle class Jewish kid. Absolutely. And you were like, fuck absolutely. it, I'm going to go, I'm going to hit the road and do oh, the thing. Yeah, you, you, I, I, Look I, at I, you now. Like, you know, it's like I, I'm so happy to hear this part of you. No, but but I don't know. Where they, what, 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 what did you think I came from? From the Bronx? From the streets? I mean, I, I don't, yeah. Well, why I, wouldn't I think that? No, no, people think that. And I say, well, people go, where are you from? And I always say I was born in the Bronx, you know. Yeah. And so you but, play it up. Why wouldn't it, why wouldn't I think that? This voice is not a New York accent. My vocal cords have been so damaged from yelling and smoking over the years. I mean, they're okay now. I mean, they're fine. But if you listen to me when I started doing stand up, I think the first evening at the Improv, I, or the comedy stop, the comedy shop, with Norm Crosby, my voice was like a prepubescent Jay Leno. Hey, you know my girlfriend. I gotta throw you a yeah, 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 yeah. dirty Jay Leno. Yeah, you were I, a, a, I had a Jewish pitch kind yeah. of voice. Yeah. But it wasn't really a New York. I, that much, and over the years, from the yelling and the screaming, I've just kind of settled into this kind of like an old guitar. You know, you just kind of no, no, it sounds great. Group. So you go out there basically to to be around your heroes and to live the counterculture life. I went out there. the The gay thing wasn't starting. The hippie thing wasn't over. It was like you know, it was a city where so you're uh, in between the gays and the hippies. Well, I'll tell, say, you're I'll at tell, the cuffs. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I didn't realize it's, yeah. and I wouldn't, I couldn't have cared less that yeah. San Francisco was such a gay city. Yeah. But in fact, it, in my formative years as a comic, I started doing gay jokes, which got me a bit of a reputation and a b- bit of uh, you know. Inf- for me because the gay community was up in arms and I had this whole attitude kind of this Lenny Bruce kind of rebel thinking that there were gay comics making fun of straight people but I'm saying wait if you can make fun of me I can make fun of you don't tell me I can't do black jokes that was always been the basis of my act because I can make fun of anything yeah. you might not like it I might get my ass kicked but it's funny and it's worked and it's kept me different but I think like because I've been thinking about this recently because I just had this weird event happen with Gallagher I think I re- the reason I think that you can do what you do is that you, you've got a vulnerability to it that you come you come at it with a certain earnestness and you do make sure that the entire audience knows that uh, you're not you, there's no hate in you about yeah, it. But it, it wasn't like that when I started. Sam Kennison was always like that. Sam Kennison was a brilliant man. Yeah, and it was the drugs and the anger, whatever it was. You know, I'm not sure but, I knew. But him. it was it was just you know an angry mean act. Mm-hmm. You know. 
And I happen to like to get being a comic. I like that stuff. Uh, but there were times in my early years where, you know, uh, and it, I don't think it was a drug so much of the alcohol. I mean, I've always done that stuff. People always think that I was a major coke. You know, I never did a lot You're of it. You're a minor coke. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'd still do it now if somebody gave it to me. I yeah, have no problem sure. with drugs. <laughs> yeah. I, it's not part of my life that much. Right. You know? I hate pot. My daughter's boyfriend smokes in the house all day. I take a hit once a month and go, I'm, this is making me paranoid. I'm just making, and, I, and I lived down that shit in high school. Yeah. You know, but it's but, different shit now. Yeah, and it's, I, I don't like it. Whatever my body. So changed. you'll take a bump, you'll take a hit, but you're not. You, you can yeah, take yeah. it or leave it. Uh, I'd rather. You used yeah. to smoke cigarettes, though. A long time ago. That, that's not even been an issue. And once in a while, I still have one because they're delicious. Yeah. I go to Montreal, I'll smoke a cigar because the Cubans. Yeah, 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 I'll have yeah. a glass of whiskey and a third of the way through the cigar. I go, what is this shit? I hate those things. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't bother me if somebody else smokes them. Yeah. I don't like them. Um, but I was always a coke guy. I still drink a lot of booze. I mean, last night, and this is a lot for me, I knocked off probably two bottles of wine. I was up at seven. I never get a headache. Had a minor headache this yeah. morning. But it's noon. I'm ready to rock and roll. You yeah, know? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm rocking. But um, So there you are. You're causing trouble with the gays. Yeah, okay, but that's the thing, that my act became, because you know what? When you don't have a lot of material, yeah. you're not that sure of yourself on stage, yeah. you know, and people are heckling and you can't handle it, and maybe you have another drink, and there are being assholes. You know, everything, it's, it's a lot of different factors. Yeah. But in the last couple of years, there is stuff for the most part, and believe me, when you walk th uh, that line, you do step over it sometimes, and you do fall but there are words i use on stage that people come up to me and go you know you walk the line of what offending a, a yeah, type of person I mean, or an uh, ethnic the n-word i don't even want to say it but yeah i mean we can say it but you know I, I, a lot of comics try to get away with that and i'll see you guys opening up for me but you know what stand up is and you know this as well as anybody it's like karate or guitar there's always somebody at any given moment better than you you, you, you well, know, what does that even mean i mean uh, you know you're a singular voice i mean they do something well, different we look at them as better because well, we are insecure uh, people well, let me put it a different way yeah. uh, maybe there's not somebody better but as good as you are you never think you're that great and right. you can always be better right. you know you talk to bb king or eric clampton they both I mean, i've heard interviews where they both think they're okay guitar players yeah. and they'll give you a list of guys that are better well they are, are okay are, guitar players well they're better than me um uh, but, yeah. but, but you talk to anybody and you can always and keith richards is one of my heroes who's not a great but the a, difference between them all of them is that they are uniquely them right and, and you were uniquely you yeah and, and what's happening now though when i really hate it more than anything and it doesn't make me bitter it makes me angry there's a big difference is that um you know, I'm still working my ass off. I, I don't think anybody has more stage time than I have. Yeah. I don't think that anybody's put more miles on his ass than yeah. I. I mean, there might be maybe some guys that are still doing cruise ships and crap, but I mean, I played every place, and that's why this book Good, I'm you, writing. You're not available to do those. They don't want you, right? The cruise ships? No. Yeah, and I would. I, you know what? There's only certain. I can only do so much. I, yeah, that to me is a nightmare. I had an experience on once with a radio station, and uh, I, I, I don't understand cruise ships, and I love to travel. I don't yeah. get to do it like as much yeah. as I want. And I'll buy the travel magazines, and I see if you go on a cruise ship that. That there's a hundred people and it's fine dining, but when you go in those fucking carnival things with all these fat people with matching t-shirts from their last cruise yeah. and they just want to eat, oh, yeah. it's, it's a horror to me. Yeah. And I did performing on these ships and seeing them the next morning, it's a nightmare to me. It's a it's a nightmare. You know, it's okay when we do the Montreal Comedy Festival, you wake up and there's Mark Maron, there's Robin yeah. Williams, there's yeah. a friend, an agent, yeah. Yeah. you say hello. These are these people you know and yeah. you can say hello to yeah. them. But when you wake up, you know, I, I really like last night. You know what I like? You know, last time we were on a cruise, and I don't want to be an asshole to these people, but I just don't want to sit and listen to them. It's just awful. It's just awful. That's why, like, when I play, I just went back to Hooters in Vegas. I, I didn't. I, I don't know if you knew this. I you, had a, you were there for how long? How many years? I had a great gig in Vegas. It was great about four or five years ago, and people still to this day don't yeah. know that Hooters has a yeah. casino right across from the MGM. Sure. Hooters Casino. This is bizarre. Hooters Casino. I was playing all these crappy comedy clubs, and the CEO, great guy Gary Gregg, saw me at a party. And they were looking for somebody. They wanted to put a showroom in Hooters. They had an old martini bar. They wanted to fix it up and put in a show. And for some reason, and you know my act, for some reason, 
Who'd have thought that Mayak would be perfect for them? Because what casinos want to do is bring in women. Women really run everything. Women decide, you know, when your wife, what shows you're going to, that means you're gambling in that casino. Where you're staying, women women put money in the slot machines. That's what keeps casinos going to the slots. Yeah. And yeah. women play those more than right. anybody. So nobody was playing the slots at Hooters. It was guys playing $2 blackjack. You know, these idiot college kids who go to Hooters, right. drinking $2 Budweiser's. Right. They want to bring women in. Women are bringing the husbands. They want right. to bring in a classier bunch of right. people. They thought, my act, I don't know what they were thinking. My act <laughs> is going to bring in women. Now, this is what's really funny. It worked because I didn't realize how many female fans I have out there, even though my act has been called sexist, misogynistic. I don't think it is. You know, I don't think it's racist. I mean, by the parameters of what we decide, it's dirty by, yeah, what, people's what, standards. What, what makes you say that it's not racist or sexist? I mean, what is it in well, you? you know, we can, that's all conversation. Sexist, you make fun of a woman, that's sexist. If I make fun of a black guy, that's racist. If that's what racist is to you, fine. I do black jokes. I do women jokes. I make fun of Mexicans a lot. If that's what people, can, if that's what society decides is racist, then I racist. think that, but you like, because I talk about this a lot, and like, I've talked to people that do these kind of jokes, and I think that the line with those kind of jokes is that there's somehow or another that there are people who do jokes like that with no blacks in the room. There are people that do jokes about Mexicans with no Mexicans in the room. Mm-hmm. And the way that they handle a joke like that is going to be dubious. But you'll do it right in front of them. I want and them then, to be. Yeah, and then you'll say, what? Well, okay, let me just give you an example. I'm not going to go through my whole act. People can, Born to be Bobby, my last Showtime special, which they can buy on Amazon, which I don't give a shit because I have to sell a million units before I make 100 bucks. So I don't care if you, it's on YouTube. I'm yeah. sure you can see it. Okay, there's a joke. Let me just give you a typical joke that somebody might find racist, but I've never had a problem with, is that the, I'm talking about how fat America is. Yeah. And we're not the fattest country. The fattest country is Mexico. We're the second fattest country. You know why? Too many Mexicans. Now, that's a great joke. Now, you can sit there and argue with me. Well, a lot of people are fat and whites are, yes, everybody's fat, but Mexicans are fat. Most, more fat than anybody. Okay. There's more fat white people, but I mean, you know, black people talk, it's my own act. But yeah. Black, you know, one of my first jokes, I think I did on my first CD and people have done a million versions of this and you can't argue with it. It still gets a laugh that, you know, you can make a movie called White Men Can't Jump, but you can't make a movie called Black People Can't seem to shut the fuck up in a movie theater. Now, go to movie theaters, yes, there's teenagers texting, and yes, there are people talking. I don't go to the movies because I just hate people so much, but black people are infamous for talking yeah. movie theaters. But I think like that... The- like it seems to me the difference because like there is a difference between hurting people's feelings you know and demeaning a group of people but like if you're sitting there to your to their face and they're sitting in the room and you're saying you know you know you know it's kind of true i mean you know it's kind of i do deflect it well i i I mean do you ever walk off thinking like i went too far and then what happens and what what's the situation where that happens well something that doesn't happen that often you know there were times where um and I don't do it as much anymore, but if there's like, you know, tables of drunken women sometimes are insufferable and impossible to deal with. A drunken guy, I mean, you've done stand-up long yeah. enough. We know that if a guy's drunk, you can shut him up, he'll walk out of the club, he'll pass out, the cops will arrest him. There's a million ways to get a guy to shut up. Guys, you know, but women drink, and I, yeah. it's like putting a gremlin in water. It's like feeding Gizmo after midnight, this cute, cuddly thing, who was kind of nuts to begin with. Three <laughs> glasses of white Zinfandel, and this monster, this is Mrs. Norman Bates. She's yeah. off the charts. Yeah. Um, so there have been a few times where, you know, women have comedy to their bachelor party a birthday party and I understand that they're drinking and I understand they're in a comedy club to have a good time yeah. and I really but sometimes they won't shut up and yeah. you know and I've gone after people where I've made them cry and I've gotten a standing ovation because this woman was just ruining the show for everybody else yeah. and you know and after she go to the manager me and my friend just wanted to have a good time and I'm going yeah she you know she's 22 that could have been my daughter yeah. I don't think my daughter would have acted that stupid yeah. but you know and then I felt a little bad yeah and then, then there's a devil on my shoulder going, oh, fuck that little angel. Kick in, he'll beat him up again. I'm back to beat me again. Um, I won't make fun of, if there's a big fat person in the front row, I mean, you know, I won't make fun of somebody's, uh, you know, problems, but if they start with me, you know, if they start with me, it can get, 
and I don't want to encourage people to do this. I don't, I'm not a gunslinger. I'm a comic. I just yeah. want to tell jokes. Yeah. But there have been times where a person in the audience will say something. I'll say something back. They'll say something. And I'll just go after them. And I'll level them. I'll just go into them. And I'll only do it if the audience is laughing. But the guy will go, okay, it's enough. I'm, and, but it's not enough for me. You started it. Yeah. It's like, for example, sure, you're if not I crying come home and, and, you, you know, and you're raping my wife, you hit my daughter, yeah. I will pummel you. And the guy goes, I give up, I give up. No, I'm going to keep kicking you yeah. until you die. <laughs> you started it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I've never had that opportunity. My wife, could you really think you could kill somebody? I would love to kill somebody. <laughs> not, not just, not just walk down the street and pull a Tucson. I mean, I'm talking about just kill him just, for a reason. Can I do it 55 in the carpool lane? Just you know, cut him off and have the car burst into flames. I mean, just so some, important things. Yeah, but, but let me just ask you on it. 20 it, items in the express lane. <laughs> 15 you could do. I'm not going to sit the count. Ah, yeah, three over, not, not 20. Yeah, not, not 20. But okay, so let me just ask you this question because it's fresh on my mind. Then, so, so okay, there is there is some validity to stereotypes or else they wouldn't exist granted yeah, okay I mean, All right now but when is it that when, when what's the difference between being a bully yeah and 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 actually you know using you know the type of comedy you do to to, to relax tension okay well put it this way i yeah. can't be worried about every person that's out in that audience i mean you could talk to anybody out there and i'll hear people go i hated bill hicks i hate jerry seinfeld i hate jay leno take any comedy i hate louis ck yeah. okay there's not going to be any comic that's going to make everybody laugh. That's okay, right. I mean, I love to cook. I love to eat. And it's mind-boggling to me. I don't lose sleep over it that there are people out there that hate garlic. Uh, we're comedians. There are people yeah. out there that hate the Marx Brothers, Woody yeah. Allen, and, yeah. and Abbott and Costello. You know, yeah. So you're not going to make everybody happy. Sure. Okay. Now, what I do is I like to think that I'm making most of those people leave that show and come up to me and people go, you know, you're one of the best comics I've ever seen. That happens mm. a lot. But the, yeah, the, there was one night, and this kind of answers your question in, in a way. I can't worry about everybody. If they're going to get pissed off... Um, but there was one night, and I've never never seen this happen. This is most mind-boggling, and I n never forget this. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. Not, not a great town, by the way. There's a place called the Stardome. It's yeah. a horrible place. Yeah. Um, the club's not horrible, but the people are just stupid. Yeah. yeah. And I don't like the South. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm doing a show, and it's going quite well, and I swear to God that within a minute, a guy comes up to me and says to me, I've been to this club since it opened. You're the greatest comic I've ever seen. And less than a minute later, a guy, usually a woman, yeah. a guy comes up to me. He says almost the exact same thing. But he goes, you know, I come here all the time. I've never seen anybody as unfunny as you. Yeah. You're really horrible. Yeah. But these are, this is the same show they were at. Yeah. And this is, no, not one guy going, you're pretty good. You weren't that good. You were a monster and you were the greatest. This is within a minute. And yeah. they both came up. And I'm going, that was really weird. Yeah. So, you know, I can't worry about the people that are pissing me off, but you probably do this too. And I remember Seinfeld once talking about this. If you're on stage and you're killing and there's one guy not laughing. Sure, you're going to focus in on it. You focus it. You focus in on that guy. You actually see them. If he's sleeping, it's okay because it's probably not you. Yeah. Um, what I found out, though, a lot of those times is that afterwards, and this happens a lot, is the guy just, his wife just died. He came right, to the they're show. not thinking about he you. He just That's came back right. to the doctor. That's right. He's going to comedy show because he has cancer. Right, right. And he wants to laugh. Right. And he can't laugh. Right. Or the guy comic before you really pissed him off because he sucked because he's a $20 yeah. road comic opening act. Right. So- I try not to. Well, I think the thing that separates you from somebody who would just be, you know, a, a racist or a bigot or an asshole is I believe, and I feel it because I've hung around with you before, that, you know, you got a good heart and then you want people to like you. My daughter's <laughs> boyfriend's black. He lives in my fucking house. But also, what is that the past? You're going to put that on your promo material? No, he's half black. He's half black. No, so I mean, I, it's not like, no, and uh, you know, I mean, that, that's sort of like the thing is, I got a lot of black friends. No, but I don't though. <laughs> but well, if one's in my house, that makes up for fifty black friends. One living in my house, nailing my daughter, that makes up for that makes up for you working with with kids in the ghetto. Yeah, all right, yeah, that, that, okay, that, that, I'm even. But that came um, later. You know what? Though, I would say I'm just not a people person. I really don't like people. You know, but you want them to like you. 
on stage. I'm, I'm nice to everybody. You know what? I recycle. I dolphin save tuna. I get out of the left lane of the freeway. I've never hit my daughter. I don't cheat on my wife. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm doing everything I have to do to be a decent person. But there are so many horrible people out there. It's it's impossible for me. That's why I don't go to the movies. It's, you know, living in Vegas, I mean, you, and I'm, not, I'm there half the time. I told you I'm back at Hooters now for a couple of months. Yeah. Um, you know, you just see these dregs of humanity when you're walking down the strip, yeah, yeah. and you wonder, and you keep reading these articles. There's something in USA Today last week. I don't know why they keep publishing this, but it was another story about uh, obesity and smoking leads to a shorter life. I, we've not seen Who doesn't know this by now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, every week they'll have an article like this. McDonald's and high cholesterol. We, well, we get it, yeah. but obviously people don't get it. Yeah, and I you see in, that in Vegas. I was in a buffet the other day, and, uh, you know, it, it's amazing. The people stand in the buffet, and uh, nobody wants to wait in line in Vegas. Everybody yeah. wants to move. They get on the moving walkway when they get off the yeah. plane. Yeah. They, even though their fat ass been on a plane for God knows many hours, they can't walk. They get on the moving walkway, and they stand there. And then there's a moving walkway that takes you to Caesars. And then the luggage comes around. You don't have to go get it. And then their yeah. taxi takes them their fat ass to the hotel with the elevator. It takes them to their room, but they'll stand in line at the buffet because these fat bastards know at the end of this rainbow there's a giant pot of dessert. <laughs> and I'm not making this up. I was, I, I'm there three days a week now. Yeah. I'm going to keep plugging Hooters if anybody's listening, yeah. um, which is great because I'm home four days. But I was my opening act, Robert Duchesne. Yeah. I don't know if you know Robert. I don't. We go to a buffet, and I'm trying to take my eyes off this. First of all, people will pile up their food. You can go back. Yeah. You don't have to do it like Close Encounters <laughs> where he made that giant thing of dessert like the aliens were coming. Yeah. But... That was amazing. We go to a Chinese buffet, yeah. and for some reason, at the Chinese buffet, and I guess they do this for the children, they have garlic bread, French fries, and, and pizza. But when the kids look like the kids from <laughs> South Park, they look like the kids. They look like pufferfish. You don't even look like kids. Yeah. They're like giant. Uh, they're just a pair of eyes in a circle with. Uh, they're like the M and M. You ever see the guys that dress up as M and M's and they're on, uh, on Las Vegas Boulevard? Yeah. They look like that. Yeah. And all you need is a Michigan State T-shirt with a big M, and people will think you're an M and M. Okay. So they're piling up. Not even the good Chinese food. All the greasy. Yeah. Shit on top of that, French fries yeah. and garlic bread yeah. and pizza in one giant. No. So I can't tell you how fat. And I'm going, you know what? It's a stereotype, but there they are. And I love people like this because it really helps me maintain my act and my belief in the hatred of mankind that I have. And how this country has let me down in every possible way. When this country, and I just sit up and preach like uh, you know, like Bill Hicks might have, but. Louis Black will do this too, but this country, really, we have more opportunities than anybody in the world, yeah. and we've thrown it away. We've thrown it. There's no reason to be fat now. You yeah. know, there's no reason. You yeah. know, in the old days, you live in the ghetto, and you know what? You can buy vegetables. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not everybody. I'm lucky to be born so with So you like, sort of like take responsibility. You take personal responsibility. You know, the, the reading in this country, the illiteracy. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and by the way, it's all the red states for the most part. I, yeah. mean, I mean, there's plenty of idiots here in California too. But, it's everywhere. But, but you know what? Yeah, I know, but what's really funny is they did, and this is not a Republican, Democrat, Tea Party thing, yeah. but What's amazing to me is that they've done all these studies and that the illiteracy rate right. and the, the child molestation, yeah. the rape, the murder, yeah. everything yeah. is all the South. And we should have <laughs> let those fuckers secede. I said that from day one. The Civil War- Really, during the Civil War? You, know, you were alive were, then? We would have, no, well, 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 I was doing, I was doing the same material. <laughs> I've, only, I've only kept a few jokes. Um, actually, I'm not the original Bobby Slade. I'm like Lassie. I'm the great, great grandson of the original Bobby Slade. Sure, sure. Yeah, Bobby, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've yeah. always been here, Bobby. Right. Yeah, there's yeah, always been, been a Bobby, Bobby Slate. You could, there's always been a Bobby And there always will be a Bobby yeah. Slate. If I have anything to do with it. But, but I'm just saying that we would have lost some of the slaves, collateral damage. But if we would have let the South secede, this country probably would have been a lot smarter. Yeah. But you know, that's why the car industry went over to uh, you know Japan and people started buying, you know, because nobody cares. The work ethic in this country is really, and again, I'm a comic. I work an hour a night. I yeah. don't have to work eight hours a day to factory. Right. But you've got, to, you've got to spend 23 hours in your head. So Yeah, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's a it, lot of work. People don't realize 
realize that. Yeah. You know, I, you know <laughs> people don't realize when you're a comic <laughs> that you just don't shut it off. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm working in a coal mine here. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say, what size? Is that an eight, eight and a half shoe, you fat yeah, bastard? Yeah. Uh, I'll be right back. Let me see if we have any eight and a halves in the back. Uh, um, you're not in the back spitting on hamburgers. Yeah, I'll yeah, show this yeah. fuck. Well, I, do, I do that. I do that. I'll do that when people come over for dinner. I invite people I don't like. Yeah, that's very nice. Now, what the hell did you come from to make yourself so angry and crazy? Now, I'm not trying to make you cry. I mean, what'd your dad do? Where'd you you grew up in Scarsdale, no, Scarsdale, New York? That's Westchester. I had no problems. Right? Yeah, Westchester's beautiful. I grew up in a really beautiful and I would say white ritzy neighborhood. We actually the poor part of Scarsdale. We had a couple of Asians and a black family, but not you know just one or two. But um, quotas, you know. Yeah. Um, no, I had everything. Well, you know what? I never played sports, so I was always a class clown. Um, what business was your old man in? Carpets. He was a salesman. Carpets. Yeah, and there's nothing there that uh, I think your average nutty, you know, it wasn't modern family. I mean, right. I'm sure that there was nothing there. No alcoholism. Were you no so beef. crazy with food, though? Was your mom an eater or no. not eater? The reason I'm crazy with food is because I love to eat. Because let's stop and think about it. The greatest thing. I'm not. I'm not a fan of sports. I don't mind them. I don't. Yeah, like me neither. I don't know anything about them. Could kill us. Yeah. I might watch the Super Bowl for yeah. an hour. Maybe. Yeah. I doubt it. Yeah. Um, but you have to have some kind of passion in life. Yeah. And sex and food yeah, are the two yeah. greatest. And travel. Yeah. You know? And when yeah. I travel, I well, want The first sex. two I don't think are hobbies. I think they're necessities. Travel would be a hobby. Well, sex is not a necessity. Yeah. I'm married. I've been doing it without for 23 years. I'm not jacking off. Is that really true? Well, I jack off five times a day. That's <laughs> sex. I know. No, I mean, I don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, come on. You still have sex with your wife? Yeah. Okay. If she was my wife, I'd nail her a lot more, but she's my wife. There's only so much I can do with her. No, you no, gotta keep the material actually, coming. She's really hot. She, you gotta come over to my house sometime. You, ask, you tell me I can fuck your wife? Um, well, I just, just want to just so I can get things done. <laughs> <laughs> I find people over go, you try it. It's, it's like, my wife's like a Rubik's Cube. If you can fix it, go right ahead. Nobody's been able to accomplish it so far. <laughs> See if you have any better luck. You guys get along, though? No, we get along pretty well, yeah. It's, it's weird. That's a whole other story. But no, we get along fine. We get along as fine as any husband and wife can. I mean, you see husbands and wife. Well, you see husbands and wives walking down the street. Yeah. And if you, you were married, right? Yeah, twice. Yeah, okay. It's no brutal. Kids. It's yeah. brutal. It's brutal. Um, and you see people walking down the street. Why is it brutal, though? What the? F I mean, just because you don't communicate or what? You, you see people like I see people like I see couples sitting in restaurants and they're not talking. They're both yeah. looking somewhere else. And I'm like, oh my god. I talk my, but you know what? It gets difficult because after a while, you do run out of stuff to talk about. Yeah. You know, you're with it's just this a series of habits. Well, I call, if I'm not home, I call my wife five times a day, and you know what's going on, and she calls me, and and by the time I get home. We're pretty much all caught up with everything. It's, I mean, I talk about that in my act. It's, yeah. it's talking after sex. I'm done. I have nothing to talk about. Yeah. Stop talking. Well, but, but then what does it come down to? Did you get the thing fixed? Did yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Where's we, my shirt? We, you know what? We walk through the house. We get along. Yeah. Um, we don't need to talk that much. We're, we're right. very comfortable. We have been with you for 25 years. Almost. Do you have some laughs uh, at least? Uh, Do you laugh together or anything like that? Oh, I make her laugh a lot. All right, good. I also, she goes, God, you're so annoying, but I make her laugh a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know what? That's one thing that my wife, I do yeah. make her, I make people laugh, and I don't try to, you've been laughing a lot, you didn't have to laugh. Um, but you know what, you see couples that are either so miserable looking, yeah. and uh, the horrible looking people, I don't know why you, why you need to be with a woman, we get a dog and porno, I don't know why you need friends and somebody, uh, and then you see couples that are so pussy whipped, they sit there in matching t-shirts holding hands, you know, Cruise ship. going to see Meryl Streep movies, yeah. that guy to me is a girl, yeah. you know, you're a little girl, yeah. you know. I, I love when 
guys hang out. I love when there's like a bachelorette party and there's yeah. one guy hanging out. And yeah. he, the, oh, my husband came along. You know what? There's gay people. That guy's a faggot. That's a difference. <laughs> oh, no. Homosexuals to me aren't faggots. That's a faggot. A guy that carries his wife's you know hat box or a cosmetic thing on the plane is a pussy with faggot. It's nothing to do with homosexuality. That's a faggot. Right. So you would never call a homosexual a faggot, but that guy's a faggot. Yeah. yeah. I like homos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, and, and I was a champion of their cause. When I started doing gay jokes in San Francisco when I was a young comic, yeah. I'd make fun of them more. And then I realized these people, and I say this all the time, I act, they're not hurting anybody. They always dress nice for the most part. They're good members of society. They can cook. They're clean. They, they, they don't start wars. They're, you know, they're not... You know, they're yeah. not extremists. They're yeah. just homosexuals. They're, yeah. they're democratic or yeah. they're liberal, and they're, yeah. they mind their own fucking business, yeah, yeah. and they probably give great blowjobs. <laughs> God, you know what? Yeah, they're great. So let's get back to this idea about you know about like Jerry Seinfeld about performing for the president right. about your sense of like the difference between you because you know you're you know you're still like a a, a great club comic well, and these other guys. Well, my act, and I and I, you know what? Do you I, resent them? Not whatsoever. No, 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 no. I, I. First of all, and Jerry will be the first one to tell you, and I've used, he's a perfect example of a guy who was a club comic until he got the show Seinfeld, which was a fluke. I'm not, it was a great show, one of the greatest shows in the history of television. Yeah. And he did a great, great job, and I yeah. love Jerry Seinfeld. But as you know, and anybody that knows the history of that show, it almost didn't go. Sure. So that show didn't go. I'm not saying Jerry would have continued playing clubs. He probably would have become like a Lewis Black or a, you know, he still would have been, because he's such a great comic. Yeah. He had a lot of popularity at the time, yeah. doing all the Tonight Shows, the right. Letterman's. Uh, he wouldn't have the monster. Right, probably, sure, okay. sure. But I remember Jerry and I once, way before he got the show, neither of us were great actors. We're sitting at some audition and we both said, God, I can't act. I hate acting. This sucks. And I was making probably a couple of grand a week. He's probably making twice that. You know, he was a club comic. Yeah. All right? And, uh, a lot of this has to do with luck. Bill Maher, you know, I, I, who I love, Bill Maher and I, you know, when I was playing Vegas full time, Bill Maher was flying back. A lot of these guys, this this, this made me a little jealous, but I understand uh, if it was uh, Ray Romano or Jay Leno or, you know, any of these guys were in town, yeah. they all had private jets. They didn't own them, but they all had jets yeah. taking them home Saturday yeah. night after their show. When I was at Hooters, I was there Sunday night. So after Sunday night, I'd drive home uh, because I, I had to get out of Vegas. I couldn't fly home Sunday night. Yeah. And I was only home for two days out of the week. I didn't want to wait till Monday morning. After my show at 10 o'clock, it's a four-hour drive. I'd get home. Two days later, come back to Vegas. But once in a while, these guys would work Sunday night. Yeah. Like Ray Romano and Kevin James would stay over if there was a yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. And Sunday night, they'd give me a ride back on the jet. Uh, Leno said you can always have a ride back but Leno only worked through Saturday night yeah. for some reason Bill Maher always worked Sunday night yeah. so I you know I, we called it I called it Air Maher and I was yeah. wanted to get my well, I was about to get frequent flyer points yeah. we were going to start a program but I quit <laughs> Vegas um, but every Sunday night when Bill was there was like a couple times a year I'd fly back with him and one night Bill says to me on the jet he goes you know there's very few guys I got started I've been doing this for 30 years we're still around I said yeah but you're playing whatever the Mirage or the Hard Rock making you know yeah. I'm playing Hooters he goes, well, you know, he goes it's all luck you know I happen to get a TV show and blah 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 so I'm saying that I never had, Bill's also great. I mean, he he's great at that. So I'm not a political comic. And like Jerry Stavitt, I'm not a clean comic. Right. So it's always been, I always said, what's the comic they're writing for me? No friends, where people come over yeah. and I sit in the attic like Boo yeah. Radley, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Boo I, Radley. I, and I shoot people you know, yeah. from, from the gun, from the <laughs> clock tower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what kind of show are they giving me? Yeah. Um, I've been a character on a lot of sitcoms that never went. And if those shows would have gone somewhere, I would probably have that success now. You know, I was on a show for HBO for two years called Mind of the Married Man. Yeah, I saw that. That was really Binder show. Binder show. Yeah. And it was on for two seasons. What's well, funny because I, it was And you kinda, were kind of like the 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 devil. I played a guy named Slayton. Yeah. 
and I it was really cool. Yeah, you, you were know? the you were the sort of uh, the the, the guy, devil. Of yeah, the I was show. kind of the guy. Like, Come on, we'll go to my yeah, place yeah, and yeah. smoke cigars in my yeah, basement. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. wife's like, "What are you doing down there?" Hey, shut up, you old bat. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And and every week I was saying to myself, "I hope I don't get more lines. I don't like to do a lot of lines. I, yeah. The less I have, the better." Most actors look at a script. I hope there's more stuff for me. Yeah, yeah. The more stuff they take out, the less yeah. shit I got to memorize. Yeah. Better. Maybe my yeah, yeah, brain's yeah, just yeah, drug out all day. I can't. I hate acting. So, but it was a great gig. Yeah. And what was really weird was the two years that show was on. I thought it was going to be a tremendous hit. It premiered the week, uh, 9-11, when the towers went down. What was really interesting, you want to talk about putting things in perspective, Mind of the Married Man's coming out and was coming on between Curb Your Enthusiasm and The Sopranos. Yeah. The Sopranos, they then our show. They gave it a good push. Yeah, well, this is a perfect time to be on. Yeah. Sopranos was big, Curb was yeah. coming into its own. We're going to go on between them. Yeah. Not only that, but that same week, that same Friday or Saturday night, uh, 9-11 was on a Tuesday because I was flying to New York. That same Friday, Saturday night, I was supposed to go to New York to do a premiere of Bandits, a movie I did with Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. Uh, Barry Levinson directed it. Yeah. It was a great movie. Nobody saw it. Kate Blanchett, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, you know, Bruce yeah. Willis, and me. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, I was like Joey Bishop, but, yeah. you know, Ray Liotta, yeah. Joe Montana, yeah. Don Cheadle, and me. Yeah. But, but you know what? what? I was with these guys. Yeah. Let me bask in their, you know. Sure. So, so I'm going to, I should have kept this ticket. I'm going to New York on Tuesday and my brother, I was going to do the Howard Stern show. I was going to the premiere of Bandits. Mind of the Married Man was coming on. This is 10 years ago. Big week for you. Yeah, I said, finally. Yeah. Whatever, 9-11 was, 12, 10, 12 years ago. I said, finally, it's my week. I'm rocking. I, you know, I, I've got this to that it. Seinfeld. This is great. Major motion picture, major HBO series, Howard Stern, I got it. My brother calls me up Tuesday morning. He goes, your flight's probably been canceled. They just bombed the World Trade Center. And I thought, okay, maybe some small little thing because it's happened before. Yeah. I see the two towers go down. And for a minute, I got over very quickly. Yeah. I felt really bad for myself. <laughs> I, for a minute, yeah. I go, great, great. Uh, here it is. I got a series. I got a movie. I'm doing Stern. All canceled. And then I saw the video of two people jumping out of the yeah, window. Yeah. And I said, you know what? It's okay. You yeah. know, this is the world is changing today. My daughter wakes up, and I was crying. Yeah. Not like Louis C.K. on your show, <laughs> but I was crying. I mean, I was sitting there yeah. crying because not just New York, but the whole country knew it was going to change. I knew everything was going to change. Yeah. And I was sitting there. My, my face must have been white. And my yeah. daughter goes, My daughter wakes up. She's about 10 or 11, 22 now, and said, Oh my God, what happened? I said, They just destroyed the World Trade Center. And she goes, Oh, good. I thought something happened to mommy. Which made me hate my wife even more, because I had easily trade my wife's life in for the World Trade Center. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's 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 water under the bridge. But anyway, no, she didn't get it. She was just a kid. Yeah. She gets it now. But anyway, so it's it's just you know I've always been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Never there a, a day late, a dollar short. But like, so the sense is that because you're a talented guy, you got a, a very defined character. But there is sort of an element of that that you know it's interesting what Bill said because there's a lot of talented guys around, and you wonder where the hell's their you know where's the hell where's their piece? Well, Billy Gardell, you know Billy Gardell just got that fat. Show. You know, Billy Gardell, what's that fat show called? Him and his fat wife. Yeah, and, I know. And all the fat people in the country. But he's a funny guy. No, 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 he's not yeah. But what happened is Billy is probably close to my age. Here's a guy who's been kicking around for 20, 30 years, got a show. Is he I, that old? I think I, maybe not, but he, I, I remember the How name. How old are you? I'm 55, so maybe he's 40, whatever. But he's been around. Yeah. He's been doing comedy for no, yeah, he's 15, a comic. 20 years. Yeah, sure. Okay? Yeah. Road guy. Yeah. Who got a show? Chicago guy. George Lopez was a road comic until Sandra Bullock saw him, gave him that show. And Lopez, it was a good show. He became big and, you know, now, but now, but th- there was also the element of like you know Billy Gardell's playing a fat guy because he's a fat guy. Right. Uh, you know George Lopez is a Mexican and he's you know there's something to be said about that's his angle. Now you know angry Jews who are nearing right. Uh, right. sixty. 
Keep, keep it, but keep in mind, keep yeah. in mind that the idiots that watch television. Yeah. I mean, again, why this country's let me down? There used to be great sitcoms on TV, a lot sure, of great sitcoms, sure. and now a lot of writers over forty can't get a job, even though they might have written on, you know, Seinfeld. Yeah. I know guys at Seinfeld. Oh, it's an old show. This is the bad. People wrote for Friends, yeah. and in those days, people wrote for Dick Van Dyke, and yeah. you wrote Andy Griffith. Sure. Honeymooners, you couldn't get any work because you're old. Yeah. Um, because today's generation, you know, that's why the Kardashians are famous. That's why fat people watch these reality shows. The Midwest, they sit home and watch. But, TV. As opposed to when? Like, there was there a different audience at another time? No, but I think what it was before <laughs> is we gave people better shows, yeah. and now they don't have to. I think I think now smarter people, are there's the internet, people are doing more things now. There's Netflix. Got to find your own, yeah, you can find your own way. You so, can find, yeah, back then. So how's that going for you? It was just, tell, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> no, but talking about luck. Okay, talking about luck. So 10 yeah. years ago, here's yeah. another little thing. Okay. A comedy world came on. They yeah. were 10 years before their time. Yeah. Kevin Pollack, who has right. a big show. You did a show recently, right? Yeah, I did. Okay. Pollack, you get along with him? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's a good friend. Yeah. Pollock um, was at his house for New Year's Eve, actually. Yeah. He was really, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, that whole nother story. But anyway, Pollock has this big show, yeah. as you know, on the, you know, the podcast, the internet thing, the chat show. Yeah. Um, but 10 years ago, Comedy World, there was Silicon Valley. These guys had you know this big startup thing. Yeah. And down in Marina Del Rey, Playa Del Rey, one of Howard Hughes' old aircraft hangars, they've got a bunch of trailers. Yeah. And they said, we're going to start yeah. doing internet radio. Yeah. Okay, They paid me a quarter million dollars a year. I was I was the anchor of that. Oh. They got Bethel Peters, who kind of started that Largo. Uh, my friend Ken Ober, who's dead. Craig Shoemaker. Uh, they got a bunch of people. Um, the Sklar brothers. But they paid me the most. And I was on from four o'clock in the afternoon to six o'clock because I don't want to do an, uh, a morning show. Yeah. And they put me up for two hours, paid me a lot of money, and nobody listened because yeah. it was internet radio and yeah. 10, 12 years ago. Now it's a brilliant idea. They were 10 years ahead of their time. And I called in every favor in the business. I called in a lot of famous people Red Buttons, Carl Reiner, Alice Cooper, Billy Bob Thornton. They all did phoners with me. Some of them came in. Ryan Jerry. You were just a little too early. A little too early. Now let's, uh, to, to sort of get closure on this, Bobby. Now let's not like. What do you what do you want to happen? What 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 could happen right now that would make you? you happy? Out more happy than you already are, of course. I mean, like what like in career wise, because there's a lot of near misses. You had a lot of opportunity. So lot of opportunities. Of but you know what? It's just been you know what the way things turn out. Because you and could be bitter, and I believe you when you say you're not. You may be disappointed. I'm disappointed, may- and I'm a little angry. Not because you know I made a couple of mistakes along the way, but I'm more angry that people. I love it when I play Vegas. What do you mean mistakes along well, the way well, outside well, of the Conan thing? Well, just people, nothing important. But, but uh, maybe I would have done things differently. I, you know, probably not. I, let me take. But you just for pride, pride reasons. No, but, but, but let me. You know, when, when I'm in Vegas playing Hooters, yeah. which I'm there through April, I think, um, and Louis Black is over at the Mirage and making, you know, it, as much in a weekend as I make in a, you know, six half months, a year, half yeah. a year, maybe yeah. a year now yeah. things are so bad. But you know what? That's a little bit of jealousy, but I get together with those. I love him. I, and Robin Williams would be across the street, even Howie Mandel, even Carrot Top. You know what? People want to see Carrot Top. He actually, it's not my kind of act, but he puts I on a great show. show. I saw you know, it. Yeah, and it's, it's fine. It's yeah. entertaining. I don't got no beef with him. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm I not drawing any lines I anymore. There's no room for lines. What I have a problem with is yeah. not Larry the Cable Guy yeah, and not care. those guys. Yeah. It's the people that go see them. You know, <laughs> I have no problem with the TV evangelists. I have the problem with all the fucking mindless idiots that yeah. give them money. Yeah. You know, yeah. I must have no problem with the Ayatollah. It's, it's the people. That follow the city. The Ayatollah. Let's uh, upgrade it a little bit. You want to Ayatollahs, okay, or, or, yeah. or you want to, the, the president of Iran, or any yeah, of these okay, idiots. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's a Just pick one of yeah, them. Yeah, you know? it's a racket, and it, it, it's not them that I, it's all these mindless people. You know, they come to your shows too. Yeah, not enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, 
But, yeah. you, but you know, you know what I do see at my show when people oh, come see my God. show. Yeah. When people come see the pit bull of comedy, yeah. you know what? There, there's a they, 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 most of them know what they're coming to see. Yeah. And even if they sometimes give away free tickets to get yeah. their asses in seats, yeah. there's a big side of the box office. Bobby Slade is antagonistic, vulgar, misogynistic, sexist. You might want to. It's almost like Disneyland. If you have yeah. a high blood pressure or a bad yeah, back, yeah, you yeah. might not want to yeah. go on this ride. Yeah, yeah. And and then they put the reviews up, and people go, "God, this is great. This guy is you know an equal opportunity offender. He's a pit bull." So when they come into my show, they know what they're going to get. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And if very real. That's so funny that, that usually on rides, it's if you're if you have the right height right. with you, it's it's like you know if you're not right. too sensitive, right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But that's exactly the same <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and then people come to the show, and usually they get it. And if they don't, you know, they walk out. But I, I don't really, you know, they're at Hooters seeing me. Yeah. So this this one two punch, it's not you know the Bellagio going. To so see. so the jealousy is tempered by the fact that you love these guys and that you know you're in the same business and they like you and it's just a, it's well, just the luck of the draw on some if level. If you go to my website, bobbyslayton.com, there's a video. Um, what I did when I did my show in Vegas, without a tiger, yeah. without a puppet, yeah. I have no, I have an opening act to ten minutes. I got to bring something to the table because Vegas is such a big showbiz town. Right. I called up almost every comic I knew that was in Vegas or coming to Vegas, and had him do a video for me. Yeah. And every one of them, except for Seinfeld, he's too busy. You yeah. know. But Louis Black, Jay Leno, Robin yeah. Williams, the Smothers Brothers, yeah. Carrot Top, Rita yeah. Rudner, Penn and Teller, uh, George Wallace, um, uh, Bill Maher, yeah. uh, Frank Caliendo. I mean. Don Rickles, sure. they all uh, did this video. And yeah. It's about 15 minutes long. We started yeah. early so people can get drinks. Every one of them that I called said, will you do this for me? In a minute. They returned yeah. my phone calls. Yeah. I called Jay, Jay and NBC, called me right back. They all did it. Yeah. So it is a testament. So if people don't know me, they go, wow, it, he knows all these people. Yeah. It kind of gives you a little yeah. credibility yeah. in the business. Right. But the fact is- or they're, that, they're saying, oh, wow, all these people feel bad for him. Yes. <laughs> well, they really did all rip me into asshole. I mean, Louis Black was hysterical. Yeah, you yeah, find yeah, yourself yeah. at Hooters, seeing for Bobby. I mean, Brad Garrett goes, you playing Hooters, Bobby? What, the Olive Garden Lorsted stage? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a roast. You've got it coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I don't want people talking about how great I am. Yeah. Alice Cooper mispronouncing my name. I'm yeah. It's just yeah. great. There's a TV show which I think might have just been canceled on the Disney Channel called Sunny with a Chance. Yeah. Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay. Well, Sunny with a Chance is the biggest show, or was the biggest show on Disney next to Millie Vanilli Cyrus, whatever yeah, that little yeah. broad's name is. Yeah. Okay. So Steve Marmel, comedian, yeah, who's the executive producer, calls me up and asks me if I you know, writes a part for me. Paulie the polar bear. Hmm. I have to spend a week in a polar bear costume yeah. playing a disgruntled kitty show host. Uh-huh. And of course, when you get stuff like that, my manager goes, Oh, it's great, a million people watch it. I go, yeah, They're yeah. eleven yeah. with their fat mothers. Yeah. Who's coming? Who's coming? They're not coming to my show. What like, oh, like Quentin Tarantino's gonna be there with his granddaughter, sure, niece. Hey, that guy. That, I can I can use right. it for my my next movie. So, so this is the way, thinking my, that might have hurt you in but the past. You, no, no, I, I, it's just, this was over the summer. Yeah. But if you if you Google Paulie the polar bear, I think there's clips on there too of me dressed up in a polar bear costume. And anyway, so I'm sitting there in the dressing room, and, and you know the, it's a Disney show. It's it's yeah. mindless, you know, but it's Disney. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. And I know a lot of kids are going to see this. So yeah. I'm, I'm sitting in my dressing room, and I'm in a polar bear costume, and I got to pee, which means I got to take the gloves off. And yeah. and I'm sitting there, and I'm going all week long dressed like in a polar bear, and it's so hot on the stage. Usually the sound stages are cool, yeah. but all these kids, oh, it's too, it's too cold in here. So these little prima donnas, these Disney kids. So I'm sweating. Now I'm drinking more water. Now I got to pee every 10 minutes. I got to take apart my costume so I can take a goddamn leak. And all week long I'm thinking, you know, I don't care how you look at it. I'm still in the same business as Robert De Niro. Yeah. I, we're in the same business. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the other end of the spectrum. You know, I'm up there with the, This is like, the, maybe I'm ahead of the tilt world guy at yeah. the state fair. Yeah. You know, or you and your fucking podcast, but yeah. it's still pretty. I'm a bottom feeder. Okay. You're even doing better than Paulie the Polar Bear. <laughs> okay. So, so anyway, Demi Lovato, 
who stars in the show, was a great little singer, could not have been more of a monster. She was a horrible <laughs> little girl to work with. Yeah. My daughter, Natasha Slayton, who, by the way, let me plug her. She's going to be really big soon. Not plug her, plug her website. Natasha Slayton, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> in Alabama, that would have worked fine. Uh, Natasha Slayton could be a big singer. You should, you should have her on the show sometime. Okay. She's great. I'm really great. We should come on as a team. And All then right. you can make me cry because your daddy yeah, should yeah, start. Yeah, that, right. Then I'll cry. Okay. Get my daughter here. All right. So tell, tell stories how I miss daddy, daughter yeah, dances. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you want me to cry? Yeah. I'll show Louis C.K. a thing or two about crying. <laughs> Tag it. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'll cry. <Yeah. laughs> I'll talk. Okay. Anyway, so um, um, I'm doing the show and she bangs into me in the scene and the polar bear the outfit. Yeah, she, we're doing a scene where she's yeah, supposed yeah. to bang into me, but she right. bangs into my head. Right. My nose starts to bleed. It wasn't a big thing, but of yeah. course I got to call a nurse. Nurse comes oh, over. Man. Not once does this little bitch say, are you okay? Yeah. yeah you know. anyway, How just, old is she? 17, 18. Okay. She was just thrown off the Jonas Brothers tour because she punched one of the dancers. That was big news a couple of months ago. I, she's thrown off the tour because she. Uh, they said exhaustion. Anyway, she was not funny. She, she hits you in the head. So the makeup people and the, the wardrobe people, I right. start, you know, it's not my show and I really am a professional when I work I started asking him and nobody liked this little girl so she goes into rehab because I guess she's on tour as mm. a singer and yeah. goes to rehab and supposedly she was a cutter you know she's one sure. of those girls that cuts right. herself oh, right. so that means there's I some, go some on, badness in the childhood yeah. so I go on Twitter and here's the power of Twitter yeah. pitbull of comedy right. thank you so I start writing some stuff and I think the, it's, it's a challenge to go on there and mm. I know a lot of guys just go on and they just plug their gig but let's in 140 characters try to make some jokes a lot of guys are writing jokes sure so it comes out in the news that Demi Lovato goes into rehab and she's a cutter but they might let her out for Thanksgiving so she can spend Thanksgiving with her family sure. and I write on Twitter yeah. great she can carve the turkey and her wrists <laughs> okay yeah. now I didn't realize when you write this that anybody you put the name Demi Lovato and the thousands and thousands of sycophants around the world who follow her yeah. this will go to them automatically sure. even though they're not following sure. so I'm getting hate mail from Mademoiselle on Lovato oh my from in, 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 in Spanish your Twitter's in just, French. Fly, it's yeah, just yeah. filling up yeah yeah how can you say that you old mean miserable man yeah. she's cutting herself she needs help and yeah. blah 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 and yeah. you're a horrible person yeah. and you should die yeah. so I answer one of these girls I've had a couple of glasses of wine I don't realize when you answer everybody else sees this too oh, this I great. don't know how the Twitter yeah, works sure. I'm new the kids today <laughs> I have a freak you're there in a patrol at home what do I know yeah, so you reply a push drunk, button car a drunk Bobby Slayton well, was a, no 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 I just, buzzed you had I a couple of wine not, definitely not drunk what, 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 what were you responding to what was the tweet that you decided what, to respond to it was one of the tweets I'll send them to you maybe you can, I'll, I'll show them to you it was one of the ones that said I hope you die you're a horrible old man saying something about a beautiful woman like Demi Lovato and I didn't want to talk about what a fucking dick she was on the show. I, you know, these kids love her. I'm bigger oh, yeah. than that. These kids are 13, 14, but I Clearly, said, you're bigger than that. Bigger than that. Yeah. So I said, <laughs> well, except this one night when I said to this little girl, <laughs> I said, well, you know what? As long as she's cutting a wrist, she should slit her throat too. Ugh. Now, they looked at it as a death threat. So, oh, I'm getting letters now from these little Disney fans that they're writing Disney to say that I threatened Demi Lovato's life. And mm. I realized that right then and there that the power of Twitter, more than your show, more than radio, more than internet radio, more than television, more than satellite, mm. that I can sit in the privacy of my own home and send a little tweet. And destroy and your off, career. <laughs> yeah, with a, or, or piss off thousands of 12-year-old girls around the world. That, that was kind of cool. But I realized, okay, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore. Those jokes were a little harsh, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you ask me if I ever feel bad about what I say. Yeah, I felt bad for a minute there, but I didn't realize everybody's going to see that. But I was just mad at this kid for telling me I should die. So I said, "Well, Demi Lovato dies too." But yeah. I wasn't going to kill her. It right. was a death threat, and it's all because you got a bloody nose in a polar bear suit. That's how it started. It's that's you know you always look at a homeless guy and go, "Where did that start? Did, yeah. Where did he start going downhill? <laughs> did he lose his job? His wife was he once maybe working yeah, for yeah. Disney also? Yeah, did Demi Lovato do that? Thing? Where did it start? Yeah. Did Seinfeld get a show and not that yeah, guy? Yeah." 
Who well, you're not that guy. Who is that guy <laughs> that lives under the bridge? He's not me. I have a jet. That's my. I, I didn't get time to do impressions, but wow, that was one of your best interviews, wasn't it? It was, and I'm glad you. Uh, thanks for doing it, Bobby Slayton. And I'm at Pitbull of Comedy. If you want to tweet, twat me, and, and give me angry, whatever. All right, thanks, Bobby. <laughs> thanks, pal. Bobby Slayton. Bobby Slayton. Bobby Slayton. Wow. That guy can go. Am I right? That's our show, folks. Please go to WTFPod.com. Kick in a few shekels. Get on that mailing list. We're going to have a new website soon. Look forward to that. Big and fun with a lot of new options. Go to the merchandise. Get yourself a WTF mug. Get yourself a poster from one of our many live performances. How about a cat shirt? Or how about a me screaming shirt? If you go to WTFPodshop.com, you got all your premium episodes there. Night of the Many Jews. Uh, you got all the live ones. Uh, from comics and also some of the uh, the premium episodes like the Carlos Mencia episodes are up there. Uh, the Robin Williams is up there. You can get the apps for iPhone, iPad, iPad Touch, or you can go to WTFPod.com, choose the no iTunes choice. You can sign up for the premium membership and stream every episode ever made from way back in the day. Remember before TV? Yeah, that stuff. A lot of great episodes coming up in the weeks to come. Michael Showalter, Conan O'Brien, Laura Keitlinger. Who else we got? Bobby Goldthwaite. A lot of things coming up. A lot of great stuff stacking up and getting ready to put it out there. Putting it all together for you. I really appreciate you listening to the show. JustCoffee.coop. Now I'm just going to say names of plugs. BunchLineMagazine.com. Um, yeah, that's good. I feel good about all that. You guys all right? All right, talk to you later.